So if you remember last week, we were supposed to do E and real Christianity, but uh, David needed to hear about attitude. So we preached on attitude last week. You know, spelling has never been my strong point. Thankfully, we have spell check and things like that. Uh, and when you're typing, the problem is when you're just thinking, spell check doesn't work. So, so if you missed uh, the R message on relationship or last week's A message on attitude, make sure you go back and listen to those. Today we're going to backtrack to the second letter that we were supposed to do last week and to evangelize uh, today. So we're going to be looking at that uh, today as we're preaching through a series on real Christianity, what God desires in your life as a Christian. And we've talked about relationship. Today we talk about evangelize. Last week we talked about attitude. And then next week we'll look at the conclusion at leadership or leading and, uh, and looking forward to that as well. And I appreciate your attentiveness uh, throughout these messages as well. This is something the Lord burdened me with several years ago. Uh, we preached the same topics uh, back in our first year as a church. And, um, and it's still a desire we have. We want our church to be producing real Christians. Um, not just your stereotypes, not just your uh, pharisaical mindsets. Um, we want real Christians. And that sometimes that looks differently than what, if you grew up like me in church, sometimes that looks different than the way you grew up. Not always. Uh, some have been really blessed to grow up around real Christians. And, and I was too. Uh, there are several people in my life, uh, pastors and, and teachers and uh, lay people in the church and things like that as well that were faithful and, and were real in their Christianity. But, uh, but a lot, I've just been around long enough now and in enough churches and enough ministries and enough things to see so many people that think if I play the part, then I'll be okay. And God is so clear to us, that's not what he wants from us. God doesn't want us to pretend to be Christians. God doesn't want us to have the title of Christian. God wants us to live a life that looks like what God wants it to look like. That is what God wants it to be versus just a, uh, a picture that we put on for other people. Uh, you know, God talks about our works being important in the fact that others see God through us by the way that we live. And, and you know, sometimes we get in this habit of, well, works doesn't save us, so they're not important. No, works does not save us. They are incredibly important. And uh, we have to just get out of the going through the motions of religion and get to the point where our life is truly being Christian, Christ-like, little Christ's than our lives, that we're going out and, and showing people um, Christ through the way that we live. And that's, that's the desire of this sermon series as well, that we come out of it understanding how we need to grow, what we need to be doing, um, maybe even being able to look in the mirror and saying, is my life matching up to what the Bible says it's supposed to? And, uh, and if we'll do that, if we'll truly inspect our lives, remember David prayed, search me, O God. Uh, he, not only did David say, I'm looking at my own life, but he's saying, God, I want you to inspect my life and tell me where I'm not right so that I can, that I can be right. and Renew within me this new spirit. Make me what you want me to be. Um, and I hope that's our prayer. I hope that's what we're asking of God too. God, make me, because I can't do it. I can't make myself what God wants me to be. I can obey God, 
But I cannot make myself what God, I need God's help. And so God has to tell me where I need to change, where I need to improve, where I'm doing well at, uh, and I need to continue in as well. Don't look at it all as negative. There's so many positives in this as well. But today we'll get to this point of evangelizing and how important this is for a Christian, uh, how it has to be an integral part of our lives to be obedient to what God desires in our life. We looked at this when we looked at the introduction to the series several weeks ago, and we talked about in evangelizing and sharing the gospel, two ways we're supposed to do this. That's four. Two, way, two ways we're supposed to do this. Um, uh, by word and by action, right? Those are the two ways. By word, Mark 16, 15, and he said, Go, in, uh, go unto them, uh, I'm sorry, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach or proclaim or teach, or speak the gospel to every creature. Again, sometimes we let that word preach scare us off. Well, I'm not a preacher. It's not saying stand behind a pulpit and preach. It's saying proclaim it. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. And then by action, Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Which there's so many important pieces to that. It's not that they may see your good works and glorify you because you're such a good person. It's that they may see what you're doing and go, God is in that person. And that they'll see that light through you and it'll, um, this this is probably the wrong analogy, but like a bug to the light, a moth to the light. No, that's not a good analogy. But that they come to Christ uh, as a result of, or in part, because they see what you are doing. They see God in your life. Um, We're in Romans 10. I think I said that. Romans 10 Let's start in verse number 13, and we're going to end in verse 17, which is we, we talked about before with why we evangelize. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And again, I emphasize that word preacher as proclaimer, someone to tell them. Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? And as it is written, how, shall, uh, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, or Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Remember, it's how shall they hear without a preacher? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We are supposed to be the preacher. And I'll tell you what, we come up with a lot of excuses for why we're not. Well, I'm just not that personable. Every time I speak, something wrong comes out. Or I'm just too nervous or too shy. Or I just don't have the opportunity. I really don't see that many people. Or I've even heard people brutally honest saying, the way that I've lived, no one will listen to me. But you know what? God doesn't give room for excuses. I've said this many times in in our church, 
we use the excuse, well, I'm human, so I mess up. God never goes, oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, you're human. Yeah, don't worry about that then. No, God always says, yes, you're human. Yes, you mess up. But if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So let's do that. And then go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you as I pray, would you just ask God to open your heart today? I'll tell you what, God's word is so powerful. It can, it can, it can carve up our hearts. It can go right through the heart. It can go right through the, the muddled. It can go right through all the other things that maybe we've, we've allowed into our brains to, to give us reason not to evangelize. Would you just ask God as I pray in your heart and mind today to open yourself. God needs to do it. Ask him to open yourself to get what he wants you to have today. Not what I want you to have. Not what you want you to have. What he wants you to have today. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we can do better in the area of evangelizing. So let's ask God to help us today. Let's ask God to teach us something today or to remind us of something today that will help us to do what he wants us to do in this um, topic of evangelizing. Lord, would you help us? God, I know I'm guilty. I'm guilty of not not being uh, what I'm supposed to be in this area. And there are so many times that I have made up a reason why I can't, I can't do this, Lord. I'm busy. I, I'm tired. I'm, uh, I don't like that person. Whatever it is, I have all these reasons, all these excuses. And Lord, I know that you've taught me more and more about this topic, even in the preparation for this message. Lord, I pray that today you would allow us to be open to receiving from you. God, that we would hear your word, that it would impact our life. Lord, that it would change our life so that we'll go out and do what you want us to do when it comes to evangelizing. Lord, help me to present these verses and these topics clearly and correctly. And Lord, help us to leave here um, with a heart for souls, with a burden for souls, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We looked at, the again, the general topic of evangelizing a few weeks ago when we looked at the introduction to this series. And today I want us to dive just a little deeper. And again, it's not going to be earth-shattering stuff. You're not going to hear something this morning that you go, wow, I've never heard that before. Um, when it comes to evangelizing, it's one of the more basic topics in church. If you grew up in church, if you spent any time in church, you've heard this idea of the importance of going and telling people about Jesus. Uh, but yet still it seems like sometimes we pass it off as someone else's job. Uh, when I pastored in Indiana, um, I was a full-time pastor. That was, that was the only thing that I did. And, uh, and, and, I, and I was told that, Pastor, I'm not going to come to that. We would go door knocking on a, on a weekly basis. Pastor, that's your job. <laughs> now, I was young uh, and, and, uh, and still green in some areas uh, where I may not have responded in the best way to that. But, um, but ultimately, the, re- the reality is, is it's, it's not the pastor's job. It's the Christian's job. Now, me being a Christian, it is my job. It's not the pastor's job to evangelize. I mean, in reality, it's part of, I suppose, but the pastor's job is to 
to teach and to edify and to build up and to help, help grow. Uh, the Christian's job is to evangelize and help them get to a preacher that will help them and teach them from the Word of God how to grow. But if you're a Christian today, I am. My job is to evangelize, and your job is to evangelize as well. So what is our tool for evangelizing? Everybody needs a good tool. Uh, you need something on your tool belt, right? At work, I'm told uh, I kill bugs for a living. I'm a bug assassination, uh, assassinator. Assassin. <laughs> Thank you, John. Uh, two points. Uh, assassinator. I like assassinator better. Uh, we're going to go with that. I'm a bug assassinator, a bug assassin. And, uh, and my boss, we just hired some new guys, and so we, I've been hearing this a lot again recently. But uh, the most important tool on your tool belt is a flashlight. You know what? As a Christian, one of the most important tools we have is a flashlight. We need light so that we can see. We need light that we can show other people as well. We're looking at tool, and the most important tool is we find it in 1 Corinthians. Will you go there with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the light that we need uh, when we're evangelizing. And by evangelizing, I simply mean telling people about Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible clearly defines what we're supposed to tell people. What is the gospel? We know the word gospel, our English word gospel. It comes from the same word uh, or words that come and define as good news. Now listen, why wouldn't you want to tell people good news? I could tell you why, because you're bitter and you're angry and you don't want anybody to be happy. All right, that's why we don't want to tell people good news. Are you quick to tell people bad news and refuse to tell people good news? I hope not. But the Bible here defines for us the good news of the gospel. What is the good news of the gospel? Uh, chapter 15, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye are if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Verse number 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, Here's the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. There's the gospel for you. It's right there. Three main areas, right? Christ, uh, he, he died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again. That's the gospel. That's the gospel right there. He died for our sins. That's important. He didn't just die. But when he died on the cross, he took on the weight, the burden, the payment for my sins. Every sin I've committed, the reason why God can forgive me is because he paid the price for me. The reason why, if I confess he's faithful and just to forgive us of all, uh, 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 all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness is because Christ died on the cross, and when he did, he died for my sins. The price has to be paid, and Christ paid the price. So he died for our sins. He was buried because he was dead. He wasn't asleep for three days. He was buried. And then what makes it all, if I can use the word work, is that he didn't stay dead. 
He rose from the dead three days later. We'll look at that at Easter. Come back for Easter. Make sure you're here for it, April 9th. Uh, and, and, and he rose from the dead, victorious, the Bible says, over sin, over death, and over the grave. He took away the pain and the sting of death. As Romans 3.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Christ paid that wage. He paid that price for our sins. He died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. There's the gospel. You've got to know what the gospel is before you can share the gospel. Right? There is the gospel. That's what it is. Uh, go back with me. We won't turn a whole lot today, but go back with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We see the gospel defined in 1 Corinthians. Now let's look at the gospel used. An example of something here. Romans 1 and verse number 16. Now look at verse 15. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. So he said, I'm ready to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. He died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You are one of those two things, <laughs> Jew or Greek, all right, Gentile, Jew or Gentile. You're one of those two things. Um, as far as I can tell, we're all Gentiles here today, and we are offered salvation from God. And here Paul in his letter and, and given to us by inspiration of God, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel that Christ died for my sins and that he was buried and that he rose again. And he says that gospel is the power to salvation from God. That gospel is, is what I need to know. It's what you need to know. It's what you need to grasp for salvation to anyone that believeth. And there is the use of the gospel. It's Paul, as the example here given to us by God, telling others, hey, I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not afraid of this. I'm not shy on this matter. The gospel saved me, and the gospel can save you. And he says, I'm not ashamed of that. And listen, this is where the Christian fails. It's very rarely the Christian fail. Well, it can't be. The Christian can't fail in not knowing the gospel because if you're a Christian, you know the gospel. Well, we fail is we become ashamed of what God has done in my life. Why? I have no idea. It depends on the, I'll use the word religious culture that you've grown up in or been around to some degree. But there are those who will receive the gift of salvation and then they just kind of hide it. They're embarrassed. And they'll go to work and they won't say anything. They'll go to a family gathering and they won't say anything. I grew up 
at Christian camp, and at that camp we had an evangelist that still preaches to this day. His name is Ron Riley. And Ron would preach, uh, he grew up Catholic. And, uh, and the girl he was dating in high school was a Christian, and she kept inviting him to church. And, and, uh, and finally one night uh, he heard a clear, clear plan of salvation, what the Bible says about how you can be saved. And he accepted the gift of salvation. And he went home and he told his dad, and his dad said, get out. You're no longer my son. I was as a teenager, or maybe he was a freshman in college, I believe. And he continued every chance he had to share the gospel with his father. Because he wasn't ashamed of it. No matter the consequence, no matter what was going to happen, he received this gift. He understood how important it was in his life, and he wanted anyone that he loved to make sure they knew about it too. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? When's the last time you told someone about how God saved you and how he wants to save them? Do you love someone enough to tell them that? Now, the Bible says we're supposed to love our neighbors. We've talked about that. We spent a whole year on that. Do you love your neighbor enough to tell them about Jesus? If you don't, then you don't love your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? We've talked about this. Everybody. Wait a minute. So I'm supposed to love everybody? Yeah. So I'm supposed to tell everybody about Jesus? Yeah. Do we? I don't. The reality is, is you know, I work, I work in a secu- I work a secular job, and I'm thankful. My boss, he's a professed Christian. Um, we don't line up on many things, but uh, <laughs> my boss is not afraid and does not mind us talking about Jesus. I'm thankful for that. Not every job's that way. But I do understand the idea of going to a workplace and saying, well, I'm here to work. I can't spend all my time preaching to people because I'm supposed to be doing my job. If I don't do my job, I get fired. And I don't think God would be pleased with me if I don't come and do my job. I, I agree with that, by the way. If you show up to work and you spend all your time sharing the gospel and zero time doing your job, I don't think God is pleased with that. But what you're saying is, is there's zero opportunity for me to share the gospel at work because I'm supposed to be doing my job. I've, been, I've worked several different jobs through college and, and, and life, and, and there's always time. There's not a lot of time necessarily, right? But there's time. There are opportunities. I worked uh, loaded trucks at FedEx for a time, and, and so I was uh, on a line. I had three trucks that I loaded, and then there was, there was a whole line of trucks on each side of the conveyor belt. And the packages would come down the conveyor belt, and we'd grab the packages and scan them and put them in the truck. So I would spend four to five to six hours uh, standing across from somebody else doing the same job I'm doing and standing next to someone else doing the same job I'm doing. And there were busy times, obviously, where there was a bunch going on. There was not time to talk. But there was time throughout the early morning to chat. And I remember I had a 19-year-old young man. He worked across the, the conveyor belt for me, and we talked a lot. His, his mom or grandmother um, was Pentecostal. And he was very standoffish about church and religion. 
and things like that. But he was willing to talk. And it was funny. We talked about all kinds of stuff. He was a different race than I was, so we talked about race issues. And, uh, and for a 19-year-old kid, he was, he was a blast to talk to. We talked about um, firearms and the problem in our country uh, and I'm a lover of firearms, but uh, we talked about some of the issues in our country with firearms, and we talked about uh, some politic things, light politics, and uh, some different things, and, and, and we talked about church. And we started talking through his experience with church, and, and, uh, and he asked me some questions. He said, well, what do you think about this? And we would talk about it. And then he would ask another, another issue. What do you think about this? And and uh, we talked about, he asked me about tongues. What do you think about speaking in tongues? And so I shared my opinions on that. It's another sermon, come back another day. Um, I'll just keep drawing you back in. Uh, we, talked about, we talked about that for a little while. We talked about heaven. We talked about hell. We talked about all these things. And I remember him telling me on the last day that I worked there, he said, because uh, I, 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 I will talk about this in a minute. I gave him a gospel tract, and I said, man, here's my phone number. Um, you know, I, I really want you to read this. I would talked to him about it before. We shared the gospel with him before too. But I said, I, I really want you to read this. And I said, will you please give me a call after you've read it so we can talk about it. And he said yes, and he never did. But, um, but uh, he, he, said, he said, I really appreciate the fact that you're willing to give me answers and even tell me when you didn't know. He said, because what I've seen, and, and I've been dragged into church and things like that, he said, it just seems like people, they just want you to shut up and follow. They just, they just want you to, just to do what they tell you to do and not ask any questions. And I thought, man, that's just, that's not what God wants. Right? God wants us, he says, be ready to give an answer. The answer should never be because the pastor says so. Or because I say so. The answer should always be because God says so. And you should be able to show them where God says it. And at its most basic form, it starts with the gospel. When people ask you about heaven or hell, or when you're talking to someone else about heaven and hell, you should be able to show them from the scriptures that those are their only two options. That there is a penalty for our sin, and we're all sinners. And unless you receive the gift of salvation, you're going to go to hell. And that was the same fate I had until I received the gift of salvation. It's not that I'm this great person. It's not that I'm good enough to, make my, to get into heaven. I, I am not. But it's because God saved me. It's because Christ died for my sins and he was buried and he rose again. And I placed my faith in his saving grace that I can go to heaven, and you can too. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But we have to understand what the gospel is, define it, and then we have to know how to use it and be unashamed in the gospel. To go out and say, I'm not ashamed of this. God loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. He wants you to receive his gift of salvation. Why do we evangelize? Very simply, because we're commanded to. Matthew 28, 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations. We already read Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we are commanded to evangelize. But we also got to understand that we are able to evangelize. 
A lot of people say, I can't. I, I tell you, I've been a pastor now for 12 years. And they say, I, I can't, pastor. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, you can. Any person who has received the gift of salvation can share with other people how to do the same thing. If you understand, know, comprehend, you can share it with somebody else. Anyone who says, I can't do it, what they're saying is, um, I'm allowing a personal limitation to impact my obedience for God. Okay, why can't you? I'm too busy. Okay. First of all, I get busy, right? I understand that. Uh, and, and honestly, I didn't understand it as well in Indiana when I was a full-time pastor as I do now, being a bivocational pastor, working a job during the week and, and, and then church. Um, I get it a whole lot better now than I ever did before. As a matter of fact, you know, I used to, I, I was always joking, but I don't, I try not to joke about it anymore, about, you know, people saying, you know, uh, Pastor, we're doing a lot, and we need, kind of need to scale it back a little bit because it's just taking a lot of time, and it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot with everything else I got going on, family and work and all that kind of stuff. I was a full-time pastor. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, what's, quit making up excuses. Uh, now I get it, all right? So I think we've done better at that. But I'm busy, so I can't. God places people in your life on a nearly regular, almost daily basis. It varies for some people. But God always gives you an opportunity to share the gospel. The question is, do you take it? Uh, so the excuse of I'm too busy to share the gospel, it, it doesn't fly with God. It just doesn't. Because God says, okay, you're too busy. All right, your car's going to break down. Now you're going to go sit in a mechanic shop. Who's sitting next to you? You know, did you, did you take any effort to give the gospel to your mechanic? Pass him a gospel track. I'll talk about that more in just a moment, but I'm too busy, doesn't work. It doesn't work with God. Uh, I don't have the, uh, the, the ability to talk to people. I'm really not good at talking to people. Moses used this excuse, remember? Uh, when God says go and, and get the people out of Egypt, he goes, I'm a stutterer, can't do it. So what did God do? And he said, get your brother, quit making excuses, go do what I told you to do. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Um, and... Uh, and uh, so, so, so Moses goes. And this is the most common excuse amongst Christians. I, I'm too nervous. I'm not good at talking to strangers. Okay, first of all, God doesn't say you only have to talk to strangers. God says you've got people in your life. If you have a job and co-workers, those aren't strangers. All right, so there's that excuse gone. Um, there's family members, they're not strangers. All right, so that excuse is gone. But I understand, too, the idea of being nervous. I remember as a teenager, our youth pastor would, would you know, we'd go out once a week and we would knock on doors and we would invite people to church and give them a gospel tract and we were supposed to share the gospel with them as well. But my youth pastor, in all his great wisdom, dropped us off at a street and said, you guys go, we'll pick you up at 7. And there was no adult standing there with us. And so... We accomplished very little. But um, the idea of being nervous 
Especially when we're talking about strangers. Uh, even other, we'll talk about this in a moment. Strangers, let's start with strangers. I understand being nervous. You go, you knock on a door, or you're in the grocery store, or you're wherever, gas station, whatever, and you got a stranger there, and God puts it on your heart and says, you need to go talk to that person about, about Christ. And typically our first thought is, well, I've got this to do. I need to get this, this done. I need to whatever, get on, whatever, 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 make all these excuses. But I'll tell you what, it's pretty easy to, to look at someone, a stranger, um, and that's why I like these. Uh, we've got these that in the, in the lobby. It's just a little one-page front and back. It says, start a new chapter at Bible Pathway Baptist Church. On the back has the gospel. Um, and, you know, in, in a, when you're talking with a stranger in a, in a grocery store, gas station, wherever, it's very simple to say, hey, do you mind if I just give you some information about our church? Um, we're just, you know, we're trying to invite people to come out to our church sometime. Now, did I share the gospel with them verbally? No. I did not, but I'm putting in their hands uh, gospel. If you're in a grocery store and the parent says no, um, you can hand it to the kid and the, the buggy, the kid will always take it. But I wouldn't suggest doing that because if the mom said no, it's probably not good to give it to the kid. But if you're trying to get out, if you're trying to meet your quota for God, give them to the kids. Kids will take it. Okay. Um, but that's, that's, that's strangers. That's how I like to approach strangers personally. And that's just a personal thing. That's how I like to approach strangers is by just handing them information and letting them know, hey, here's some information about our church. Um, if you don't have a church, we'd sure love for you to come. And if they go, if they, I love this one. Oh, I already have a church. I already go to a church. I said, oh, wonderful. Would you please just keep that and just pray for us? Uh, we'd really appreciate your prayers. Um, and, and most of the time, a person who goes, I already have a church, um, doesn't go to church, but some of them do. Um, but either way, if they do go to church and they're faithful and, and they're, they have a faithful prayer life, then they'll be praying for your church. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, we want people to pray for our church. Uh, that's an easy way to approach strangers. Now, you can go, uh, the term is confrontational, of uh, soul winning. It, it, it sounds worse than it is. Um, and that's just simply going to someone and knocking on their door and saying, or, or anywhere, and saying, do you have five, ten minutes where I can share with you, you know, what the Bible says about how you can go to heaven? Um, you know, yeah, the... What I learned in college was you go up there and ask, are you 100% sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Talk to a stranger these days and you say, are you 100% sure that when you die, you might lose them right there? Because um, they might be going, you know. Uh, but it, it can work, too. I'm not, I'm not against this. I'm not against sharing the gospel verbally with strangers. Not, I'm not against that at all. Um, but that being said, there's, there's different ways to go about it. All right, but strangers will say, I'm too nervous to do it. I get it. But are you too nervous to hand someone a piece of paper? Uh, you know, honestly, I don't think we are because we hand people other things. And other people hand us things. It's not hard. You don't have to say very much at all. Honestly, you don't have to say anything, although it's kind of unpolite. But uh, you can just go, you know. But I would suggest saying something. Hand them something. Uh, get in there. Then, then we talk about family or, or coworkers, right? Coworkers. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just afraid that it's going to affect the relationship I have with my coworker, and then I won't be able to share the gospel with them. That's the excuse that we make. Well, if I mess it up here, then I won't be able to share it with them later. Well, okay, but you're saying I'm not going to share the gospel with them in an attempt to share the gospel with them. Uh, it doesn't doesn't work usually that way either. I'm all for building a relationship. Um, and becoming somewhat friends and those kinds of things. I'm all for that. I, to me, it's been an effective way uh, with my coworkers. I, it's not the first day I meet them. I don't go all in on them with the gospel. Um, I do talk about church, and I invite them. You know, I, I mean, I pastor a church. We'd sure love for you to come sometime. Do you have a church you go to? We talk about all this stuff. And if the Lord opens the door for, for gospel conversation right then, we'll take it. 
but I, I, I've been able to build a relationship with coworkers, um, which means you have to be a good worker, which means you can't be lazy, which means you actually have to do your job, all these kinds of things, because they're not going to listen to you if you're all those things. Build a relationship. The Lord opens the door. I promise he does. Um, if you're having a regular conversation with them on a regular basis, you're gonna, the door is going to be kicked wide open for you to share the gospel. You share the gospel with them. Family members, that's a hard one, right? I'm thinking more of cousins, aunts, uncles, and it depends on your relationship too. My family, we're a very small family, and, and we're not lovey-dovey. We're not you know, super close. We see each other here and there. Um, you know, and, and, and it is what it is. Um, you know, my cousins, uh, we've shared the gospel with them. Um, uh, my aunt is, is, is saved. My uncle, I don't believe he is. Um, uh, and, and, you know, we've shared the gospel with him too. And, and I know my dad has, has been faithful in sharing the gospel with him. My grandfather was faithful before his passing and sharing the gospel with all of them. And, and, uh, me and my sister have both talked with my cousins. And it, the point is, is that sometimes with family, it actually gets harder you would think it would be easier because you're family, but I understand that it can be hard sometimes. First of all, your family knows you like the real you, and that can make it difficult sometimes, right? Uh, and, and other times, hopefully that helps, but we're all human, right? Uh, family knows you. They knew you when you were little, and all they can sometimes remember is that snotty-nosed, annoying little kid. And that can be hard sometimes with a gospel conversation, but do you love them? If you love them, you got to tell them about God. You should be concerned about their future, their eternity. Uh, don't be ashamed of the gospel. You're able to share it. Share your testimony. Are you saved? Are you a Christian? If you are, just tell them how. <laughs> right? That's all it is. Just tell them how. How you got saved. Pass out tracts. Um, and, and we've got three of them right now in the church. So we've got, and they're all available. They're all for free. Okay. Uh, we got these, these one little cards. I, I really do like these. Actually, we have four. We've got another small one, too, that I printed the wrong size, and, but they're actually great to hand out at drive throughs But anyways, um, but uh, uh, so I keep saying that it's to make people think that it was okay that I messed up with ordering them. But anyways, uh, front and back, really simple, uh, very basic, easy to hand out, all those kinds of things, good stuff. So we got those. Um, and we've got these. John helped us with purchasing these, the uh, Matchless Pearl. Uh, it's a story. Uh, a, a great illustration of the gospel uh, in it. It's a, it's a very quick read. Um, it opens up and unfolds, and, and it's all in there and on the back. But it really is a very quick read. Um, and Katie went through and stamped the church name and, and website on the back of all of these that are back there in the lobby. You can pick these out. They're simple. You just hand them out. Hey, here's a great story. You should read it sometime. I hope, I hope, you'll, I hope you enjoy it. Um, and you just hand it out. Man, it's really simple, really simple. And it doesn't look... Um, churchy some people don't want things that look churchy um but anyways there's that one and then we've got these uh this was your life uh same thing all the churches is is printed on the back to me these are great to, to leave places waiting rooms um especially they look kind of like a comic strip um i don't love all these are called chick tracks i don't love all the chick tracks but this is a good one and uh and and it's it's great to leave around because people will pick it up and read it you'll you'll, you'll see them uh, next time you go, you have a doctor's appointment, take, take one or two of these with you and just set it on the table where the magazines and stuff are. Amazingly, they still have magazines at places. Um, set it out there, and people will pick it up and start to read it. Um, it's kind of weird, but they're good to leave in restrooms. Um, so, anyways, is what it is, right? Uh, get the gospel out. Um, 
We have something other people need in the gospel. We've got it. We need to give it to other people. It really is that simple. And it should be a priority. Look at Acts 20. Acts 20, back just a couple pages from where we were. Acts 20 and verse 24. Acts 20 and verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. It should be a priority for us to tell other people about Jesus. This should not be down on the list. It should be at the top of the list of something that we need to do. So then the final question and thought this morning is, is how do I do that? Right? How, how do I do that? How, how do I tell other people about Jesus? i got to get past my own limitations, my own excuses, my own nervousness, my own whatever. And God can help us do that. But how, how do I tell someone about Jesus? How, how do I show them from the Bible? First of all, if you're carrying around this tract with you, you basically just, you can just read. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, I would suggest you knowing it versus having to read. But I've, I've taken these before and sat down with someone. And I say, all right, look, at, look here at, the, at this. You know, the question is how, uh, it says you can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It says that at the top right here. All right. Well, how, you know, how can I have that relationship with Jesus Christ? And, and, and usually before I get to that phrasing, I've talked about heaven and hell, and I've talked about salvation and that, that God loves you and, and he wants to save you. And he wants you to go to heaven, and it's, heaven's a real place, hell's a real place, and, and all of those kinds of things. But it says realize that God loves you. And then it goes to John 3.16, which, again, if you grew up in church especially or if you've been around church, a lot of people at least have the idea of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it says realize that everyone is a sinner. So you've got to know that God loves you, but you also have to know that you're a sinner. Because we don't need God if we're not a sinner. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He goes on and says, realize sin has a price that must be paid. It's the verse we talked about earlier, Romans 6.23. For the wages or the payment of sin is death. Boy, that's a hefty price. It also says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we need to realize that God loves you. You have to realize and understand not just you, but everyone's a sinner. And there's a price that has to be paid for sin. You need to realize that Jesus Christ died and rose again to pay for your sins. Uh, the verse on here is Romans 5.8, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Knowing that we're sinners, Jesus died for me. He didn't die not knowing what he was doing. But knowing that we're sinners, Christ died for us. And then it says, pray and ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and claim him, uh, his promise for eternal life. And I'll read the verse in just a second, but I want to clarify, make sure we understand there is no magic prayer. There's no magic prayer. We talked about this uh, not too long ago in another sermon, but 
Um, you know, the, the, the guy drowning in the ocean says, help, lifeguard gets, gets the idea. A sinner that cries to God, save me, God gets it. There's no, there's no repeat after me prayer. And I've had people say, I, I'm just, I don't know what to say. And I'll give them an example prayer, and they're still like, I just, I, I don't know. They get really nervous about praying, and I understand that too. And, and so I'll say, well, you know, and, and I'll pray. I say, well, I'll tell you what. And I try to do this anyways, but I'm going to pray first and just thank the Lord that you wanted to be saved and that you understood that you needed to be saved. And then I'm going to close my prayer with the word amen. And when I say amen, I just want you to talk to God and say whatever you want to say. All right? And, and it's just talking. It's just a conversation with God. That's all it is. You don't have to be nervous about it. And, and they'll say, well, can I just pray to myself? And I always ask people, if I'm there with them, I say, you can, but I would really love for you to pray out loud. It would just really encourage me. If that would be okay, I'd really like that. And, and I've had one person tell me, I really would rather just pray to myself. And I say, okay, that's perfectly fine. But the, the reality is, is, is the reason why I want to hear them pray, first of all, it's the sweetest thing in the world. Oh, there's, there's little bit better. I mean, very little better than hearing someone call on Jesus. But I also want to make sure they understand. I, I, I want to know... Is this person just trying to get me off their back? Uh, or do they truly understand or they, they truly desire to be saved? And so I ask him to pray out loud. But the Bible says, in Romans 10, we read verse 13 earlier, but verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We have to understand that God loves us, and, and we've got to know that we're a sinner, and that there's a price for sin. And we've got to know that Christ died and, and rose again to pay that price. And then very simply, we just have to call on Him. Lord, save me. I, I grew up in church, and I grew up in a soul-winning church, and a church that was, that was you know, big on, on sharing the gospel with people and and I've heard the sinner's prayer, and it's not bad. I don't mean to knock it, all right, because it's, it's, it's an example prayer, all right? But uh, the sinner's prayer is something similar to the fact of, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell, but I believe that Jesus died and for me. God, please save me. Amen. And, and I've, I've prayed that with people before. I, I've, I've, they've, they just really say, I just don't know what to say. I'm like, okay, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm going to pray, and, and if, you, if you want, I can either pray the whole prayer or I can pray in, in segments. I said, but you have to believe what you're saying because it's not the words that save you. You have to believe what you're saying. And if that makes you comfortable for me to lead it, I will, but you've got to understand that the prayer is not what's saving you. You've got to believe, and you've got to truly call on God to save you. And I really hate leading people through a prayer, um, but like I said, the sometimes it calls for it. Sometimes that's what they need. They need that encouragement. They need that help. And so, and so I'll, I'll pray a prayer similar to that. Um, and, and, and they'll pray after. And then the deal is, remember, and we'll talk about this in, in next week, um, 
But it doesn't end there. Our job with evangelization doesn't end with just evangelizing. It goes forward in leading them and then teaching and, and helping them learn how to pray and how to study their Bible and, and how to attend church and all those kinds of things. And by how to attend church, I mean get up and show up. <laughs> all right. that's, that's what I mean by that. Uh, but uh, that, that's part of our responsibility still. It's part of the Great Commission. But when we're talking about evangelizing, your job is to give the information. Do not, do not. Evangelization is not begging someone to pray a prayer. That's not evangelizing. Evangelizing is telling them Jesus Christ died for your sins and he was buried and he rose again. God is powerful enough to impact someone's heart. Your job is not to sell Jesus. Your life, in a way, is supposed to, the way that you live. But your job is not to sell Jesus when you're evangelizing. Your job is to give people the facts. And the fact is, is God loves you. And you're a sinner, just like I'm a sinner. Make sure you mention that. <laughs> Me too. I'm a sinner too, not just you. Uh, and, and there's a price for that sin. And Christ paid that price. And you can receive salvation just as I have. You just call on Jesus to save you. That is our job, our responsibility. And honestly, why wouldn't we want to? If God loves us enough to save us, why wouldn't we want to tell everybody? It's because we're selfish. And that's why John tells us that he, God, must increase but I have to decrease. I can't stay where I am. I have to be less. And God has to be more. And when God is more, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When God is my treasure, I'm going to tell other people. But when I'm my treasure, hey, man, I don't know if you've met me, but I'm a pretty great guy. Listen, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about doing what God's told us to do. And if we want to be real Christians, really what God wants us to be, we've got to have a relationship with God. We've got to tell other people. We've got to evangelize. We've got to have the right attitude. And we've got to lead people as well. And there's more. Those are the four we're looking at. So honest question, when's the last time? When's the last time you told someone the gospel? I'll tell you what, I know there have been times in my life where when that question gets asked, I go, oh, man, I wish I could say yesterday. But I have to rack my brain to figure out when it was. And I'm thankful that God has put me where he's put me put people in my life that he's put in my life that has challenged me to be more faithful in evangelizing but listen if you're here today and you're racking your brain oh man I can't think of the last time I've been there I've been there do you know someone that needs the gospel I know the answer is yes you have a name on your heart this morning that God is 
kind of poking at you, hey, that person needs the gospel. In just a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to have an invitation. I'm going to ask you to consider a couple things. Number one, have you received the gospel? Has there been a time in your life where you've called on Jesus to save you? And if not, today's the day. There is no better day than today. We're not promised tomorrow. I'm not trying to scare you into heaven, but the reality is we have no idea when our last breath will be. And if your thought is, well, I'm going to wait till I get through this or wait till I'm done with this or wait till whatever, you just don't know if that's going to work. If you've never received the gospel today, I pray that you will call on Jesus. You can do that where you sit. Uh, you can do that where you sit. You can do that quietly where you sit. You can just say, Lord, and again, it's not a magic prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. You've shown me today that I deserve hell and that you've offered to me the gift of salvation. God save me. And guess what? He will. Right where you sit. The second question I have is, is, have you been faithful to obey God's command to evangelize? Have you shared the gospel with people? Are you actively sharing the gospel with people? If not, would you ask God for forgiveness and ask God to help you to be faithful with it? And the third thing I'm going to ask is, is there a name in your heart today of someone that you know needs the gospel? I would encourage you to talk to them this week. But at the very least, would you take one of these tracks and put it in their hands? They're free. Take as many as you're going to use. If you ain't going to use them, don't take them. And we've got more than what's out there. So once we, once we run out, we'll put new ones out there. Would you take one of these and go give it to them this week? Maybe there's a coworker that, that's, that's on your heart right now. And God says, you know what? You've been around this person, and you've never told them about Jesus. Tell them or put the gospel in their hands this week. And ask God to help you with boldness and with wisdom. If you're going to talk to them, you need to ask God for wisdom. You do. One of the biggest reasons why I failed to evangelize uh, in the past has been they're going to ask me something that I don't know the answer to. And I told you briefly about this with the FedEx, the guy I worked with at the FedEx. I learned it's okay to say I don't know. I don't have to make up something. I don't have to pretend to be smarter than I am. But you know what? I'm going to see that guy again when he asked me the question. And I said, you know what? I honestly don't know. I said, but can I give me some time to find the answer? And when I do, I'll let you know. And you know what? He didn't pester me on it. He didn't keep beating me down on it. Have you found the answer yet? No. He probably assumed that I would never bring it up again. And then you're able to go back and say, all right, so I looked up, did some research, did some study. Here's what the Bible says. And it might produce another question. Well, what happens if I don't know that one? You say, I don't know. <laughs> Give me some time. I'll, I'll figure it out. And you have brothers and sisters in Christ in this church that will be happy to help you find it. You have a pastor that will be happy to help you find the answer. That's what we're here to do. Train, teach, learn. 
telling you, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Do what God wants you to do. So if you've got a heart on your or you got a heart, you got a name on your heart this morning, ask God to help you get the gospel to that person. If you've not been faithful in evangelizing, ask God for forgiveness and ask God for help to do what he wants you to do. And if you're here this morning and you've never called on Jesus to save you this morning, where you sit, would you do that? If you have questions, you say, I'm interested, I want to do that, I just still have some questions. I'm going to walk down to the front after I pray. I'm going to stand here at the front. And, and if you have a question, would you just come? I'll turn the microphone off. Um, if it's something that I can help you with right there, we will. If not, I'll grab someone to take you into the side room and just show you from the Bible, answer the questions that you have as well. But you can do it right where you sit. If you understand, I'm a sinner. Christ died for my sins. He was buried and he rose again victorious. And he says, if I ask him to save me, he will. You can do that right where you sit. And I beg you to do so this morning. I'm going to pray. I'm going to have Miss Kathy come to play the piano. Uh, when I'm done praying, we will stand and, and we'll open the invitation. Lord, thank you for letting us be here today. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that this morning you'd help us as we've talked about evangelism. Lord, I pray that you'd help us if we've not been faithful. Uh, God, that we would be. Forgive us. Strengthen us. Embolden us. Um, Lord, help us to be faithful with the gospel. Lord, I pray for folks who have a name on their heart this morning that they need to get the gospel to. Would you give them the boldness to do so? Lord, give them the wisdom. Uh, Lord, that we can rejoice over people being saved. And Lord, if there is someone here today who's never called on you, Lord, I pray that this morning, at this moment, that they would do so. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed.